Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear. Steve Geller will join us at 540. Want to tell everybody at 6 o'clock tonight, uh, LSU basketball as they play the Ole Miss Rebels and you can hear that game live right here on the Big 870 WWL and free on the Odyssey app. Bob Mickey Loomis did his uh, yearly press conference today. Uh, You were there. We heard all the audio from the press conference. I think one of the things that came out of it, no surprise, that he basically, well, we've talked about now for well over a month, that uh, Dennis Allen would return back to the team as their head coach. I think the one thing that caught it, I talked to Charlie about this too, is uh, he seemed very optimistic about Ryan Ramchek. And and we had talked about that. He talked more optimistic about it than actually Ryan did. Yeah, him coming back and doing the rehab. And uh, now, will he ever be back to, um, like, if not the best right tackle in the National Football League in that conversation? I don't think so. Uh, but I think he could be a very good, solid starter at right tackle. You know, you could be in the Pro Bowl, but like all pro to say you're going to be... Oh, the best of the best, uh, yeah, yeah, which the he was three. at one yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that'll be the case, but I, I think... Because he's still, you know, young enough. Because uh, he was in that 17 draft, right? So when you think of it, he's not like like Demario Davis or Cam Jordan, you know, 34, 35 years old and trying to fight through it uh, with a knee injury. So he's younger... And you do the rehab. A lot of times you get discouraged as a player when you're trying to fight through an injury and play hurt. And until you get that fix and you, and you rehab, it's so aggravating because a, a, every day that you're trying to play at a high level and who you got to block and you just can't do it, mentally you know what to do, but physically uh, you're hampered uh, and, and being injured. So I think Mickey thinks he's going to come back and be able to be a guy that can count on next season at right tackle. Bob, a couple things uh, came out, not that Mickey talked about it, because uh, when he was asked about John Gruden, he said he wasn't going to get into specific names. But already three names have come out that the Saints have asked for permission to talk to. One is Dan Pitcher, uh, who is the quarterback's coach with the Cincinnati Bengals, who's coach Joe Burrow, and uh, also Browning. And, uh, you know, Browning comes off the bench, and he does a pretty solid job. Without a doubt. Uh, for the Bengals. Zach Robinson, who uh, certainly has McVay ties. He's the uh, uh, L.A. Rams passing game coordinator. And Shane Waldron, uh, who also has ties to the Rams, uh, he that's co- who I like. Uh, he's coached from 2017 to 2020 with Sean McVay. And the last two years, he's been the offensive coordinator 
with uh, Pete Carroll in the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, if you look, uh, um, uh, Shane Waldron, um, you know, he's credited when you look at it for kind of resurrecting, not kind of, he did, um, quarterback Geno Smith. Uh, we've seen Geno Smith when he came to Dome, the, Mike, the passes he made in that game against the Saints. Now, the Saints ended up winning. Uh, but I tell you what, Gino was like a totally different guy. He got he was born again uh, compared to what he was with the Jets and what he was able to capitalize with the Seahawks. But him being the offensive coordinator and resurrecting Geno Smith's career. Uh, but before he was with Seattle, you have to look at that. You have to look at that uh, coaching tree and everything. Spent time under Sean McVay as the passing game quarterback coordinator and quarterbacks coach for those L.A. Rams. So, uh, that, so he had the job that Zach Robinson has today. Right, right. So, yeah, so you just go. Again, I always say you got, you're like a military brat. Uh, you, if you're coaching, uh, you got to keep a, a suitcase packed because you're going to go north, south, east, and west, uh, different opportunities. Uh, the same thing uh, with Pete Carmichael. Wouldn't you say right now because of past relationship, uh, I don't know if he wants to continue to coach. I think he'd have a great opportunity with the Denver Broncos and uh, Sean Payton. So you just, you know, 18 years is a long time to, to be at one place. And uh, th- that's why you, you have to, to realize. I have to look that up. But, man, that's a long time to be an assistant with the same team. Yeah. Man, yeah. how many guys can say that? No, Mike, you might say uh, maybe eight or nine. Uh, but you could double that uh, with what Pete Carmichael did. And, Mike, another thing, too, because uh, where they're at and, and who you're under. And this would be. Uh, the passing game uh, coordinator, we talked about him yesterday, uh, Clint Kubiak, Gary Kubiak's son. He's the 49ers passing game coordinator. We all know with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. Now, they're kind of known. Look how the 49ers, kind of old school, how uh, they created with their rushing attack and uh, they rely on the outside zone concepts and motion and all that while incorporating a good mix of play action. And look if you... Uh, whether it's Jimmy G or you look at Brock Purdy, whatever, uh, you'd have to say uh, being a passing game coordinator for them, putting him in the position to succeed, uh, that goes a long way. Now, Kubiak, his previous experience, he was offensive coordinator. Now, he only held that for one season with Kirk Cousins in 2021 with the Vikings. So there's just a few names that are out there. Bob, how many guys are going to get jobs because of Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. Oh, uh, that, 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 that's part of that gracious. tree. That, that, that's part of that's part of that uh, coaching. Not right only there. had coaching jobs. I'm talking about jumping from being a position coach to being a coordinator. Yeah, yeah. That that's all tied in there, uh, Mike. Uh, but the one thing um, I think a lot of fans, you know, and, and Mickey talked for almost an hour. I think it was like 57 minutes. A lot of fans. Uh, okay, when you look at NFL history. And you have to look at the head coach, the quarterback, and the general manager. It's all they kind of sewn at the hip. And while you look at the run that Mickey Loomis had uh, with Sean Payton and that he had uh, with Drew Brees, obviously, at, at the helm. But, you know, in the history of the NFL, Mickey Loomis is the sixth winningest general manager in NFL history. Okay, uh, for instance, uh, the only ones ahead of him is Bill Belichick, uh, Tex Schramm, Bill Pullian, uh, Kevin Colbert with the Steelers, Curly Lambeau. And you know Lambeau Field? <laughs> Named after Mike, he's ahead of, and we all respect, uh, he has a better winning percentage than Ozzie Newsom. We all know what he's done with the Ravens. Al Davis, the owner, 
coach, general manager. Yeah, the he, end he, of Al's tenure, man, it went south pretty quick. And uh, you know, <clears> and and, and uh, he even has um, a better winning percentage. Uh, because Jerry Jones is the owner, general manager. He has a better winning percentage than uh, Jerry Jones. So the point being is that you might say, oh, well, uh, that was all Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Well, somebody was the general manager. He was the one in charge. And in NFL history, the sixth best winning percentage out of any general manager in the whole history. And it's over 100 years. Mike, and you might say, well, how far back it goes? Well, I think I think Tech Schramm and Curly Lambeau, that, that, that's pretty old school right there. Well, like I know Al Tech Davis. started in 16, 1960. Yeah, and, and, like Al and Davis. Curly was way before yeah, that. Yeah, so, uh, no, uh, that winning percentage uh, with Mickey Loomis uh, being the, have a, a 570 winning percentage is the sixth best in NFL history. We'll be back with more sports talk and also sound from the press conference with Mickey Loomis, Saints Executive Vice President, General Manager, right after this break here on the Big 870 WWL. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Hebert. Uh Charlie, I'm going to throw it to you. You have sound, and we'll play you about uh, 12, 13 minutes of the opening of the press conference with Mickey Loomis and the uh, press today. What was your overall take on this, this season as a whole? I think our expectations were higher collectively. You know, we had some games that slipped away from us and, and a couple we didn't perform in well and – just, you know, it's a variety of reasons, that's all. So when you look at a season, you look at you know, um, how you perform, there's so many variables, and you know, it just wasn't good enough, ultimately. Didn't, we didn't achieve what uh, our expectations. As far as the development uh, with Trevor Penny, yeah. do you think it could be maybe take the same course as Andrews Pete, where I don't know if he's going to work out a tackle, but uh, we think he can be a starting offensive lineman and might have to play guard. Yeah, I, look, I think I think with any offensive lineman, you know, and there's a, some other positions where this is applicable too. You know, you you make an assessment and a vision of where you have them, and if that doesn't work out, you know, you look at their strengths and weaknesses. Say maybe we can we can place them there. I I think with Trevor, look, we didn't do him any favors. You know, he comes as a rookie, he gets hurt. You know, he misses ten games. We play him the back half of that season. 
primarily in a jumbo role and he did some good things and then he gets hurt and he has no off season and then we throw him in there as the starter you know week one listen I think I think a lot of that falls on us in terms of you know where he was and what he was ready to do and so um, I'm still pretty high on uh, Trevor Penning I think we all are but we recognize that hey look we've got we've got to do a better job in terms of development and preparing him to be ready uh, and I think we'll do that this offseason. I think we'll have a good plan for him. And maybe was the decision to bring Dennis back a fairly easy one and also like how much did the finishing four and one of the decision? Yeah. Um, look, here's what I think. I think sometimes, you know, the easy thing to do, the lazy thing to do is look at the results of a season and say, ah, oh, it's a coach's fault or it's the quarterback's fault. I think oftentimes you have to look beyond that. Well, I was I was just Look, I was prepared for this question, right? <laughs> Chuck Knoll, his first three years, Hall of Fame coach, he was 1-13, and 5-9, 6-8. But they recognize that this guy's a good football coach, right? Bill Belichick, here's his first three seasons, 6-10, 7-9, Tom Landry, 0-11, 4-9, 5-8, 4-10, Hall of Fame coaches, all of them. Bill Walsh, first year, 2-14, second year, 6-10. So I think the easy thing to do is just look at the results and say, oh, no, we've got to have a change. you got to look beyond that. You know, what are the reasons why we were 9-8 and eight instead of, you know, 13-4? and four? And look, it's, it's collective. It's the players. It's the coaches. It's me. It's our personnel staff, our roster. It's variables sometimes that we don't have any control of. And so I, I, my assessment is Dennis Allen is a good coach. And again, you know, with Sean Payton, we went 10 and 6 the first year, but then we were 7 and 9, 8 and 8. And I heard some of the same noise. But at the time, I knew we had a good football coach. And so I think sometimes the hard thing to do is to be patient and recognize your other shortcomings and get those fixed. And that's what we're doing. There's been some talk about like, the culture a little bit. What, what are some of the things with the culture that you feel like need to change? Yeah, I, I don't like the word culture necessarily because I think, look, we got really good guys, willing. And I think, look, a lot of things that I said to the players, I'm sure you guys are aware of it, were for the players' ears only. But I think collectively, though, that everybody, you know, if you ask, do you want to win, everybody stands up, they raise their hand, right? Everybody says, what, are you willing to do what's necessary to win? They all raise their hand. But sometimes we're not doing the things that are necessary to win. And that's on me. That's on me 100%. We've got to, I've got to hold our guys to a standard to do the things necessary to win. And I think that I probably let that slip a little bit over the last few years. And so we're going we're gonna to get that recalibrated. And so that's my message to our entire building. It's not just to the players or just the coaches. It's to our entire building. How concerned you are uh, with the future of Ryan Ramchick, always one of the top linemen, and with his knee issue? Yeah, I think, look, anytime you have a good player who's going through uh, a you know, tough thing um, health-wise, you're always concerned. And yet, you know, I have a positive feeling about where, where he's going to end up. And I think he does as well. What are you looking for in the next offensive coordinator? I mean, coming off of the, you know, part of the guy that was around for 18 years it gives you an opportunity to really know what it is that you like. Yeah. What are you um, looking for in the next guy? Yeah, I think we have a set of criteria um, that a lot of different guys can fill. We're just kind of going through that process now, so I think I'll leave it at that. How did you do Derek's first year during the Wolves? Yeah, I think he did a lot of good things and, and uh, wasn't perfect for certain, but he did a lot of good things. And, and listen, I think that um, he was hurt 
uh, for a good portion of the season, um, probably more so than you know he would let on or that or, or that was out there. So uh, I felt like he kind of hit a stride toward the end, and and we did collectively too. So and he's not the only um, um, player or position that 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 was the case for. Surprised how well Andrew Street played at that tackle because usually you don't talk about him. I mean, he's doing his job, and I, I thought he was outstanding considering that you know Maine is a guard and then how he finished the whole season at that tackle. Yeah, I would I would say yeah. You know, he gets he gets thrown back out there and did a good job. He, he did really pleased with that, and I think I think that gives him some confidence as well. Every offseason is a balancing act between putting together the best roster and staying fiscally responsible. Yeah. Do you ever get to the point where when you're over the cap every offseason where you look at it and say, you, you mean like every year? <laughs> What's that? You mean like every year? Yeah, like every year. Where you say maybe we need to look at the financial foundation for the future yeah. and maybe make some tough decisions with older players and count on our player development and drafting and free agency and roll the dice a little, counting on younger people to yeah. evolve? Yeah, I think, I, yeah, we go through that process every every year in the off season, And, you know, I've said this before, is that we had kind of a vision and a plan for post-Drew Brees and then, you know, COVID hits and we get this big setback relative to the uh, the cap and finances. And so that's that's caused us to recalibrate a little bit. But the answer to the question is, yes, we do do that. I'm not going to tell you what we're doing, but we do do that. And we have, you know, we have to make up some ground. There's no question, you know, over a period of time here, we're going to have to make up some ground cap wise. Since 2017 draft was incredible. Since then, how would you evaluate what you've done since then? And will you will you tweak your philosophy as far as the draft? Have you evaluated that as to what you might do to maybe get some more results there? Yeah. Um, well, look, I think a number of these drafts, you know, the the results have yet to be written. And look, 2017 was incredible, right? It. it uh, I don't expect to duplicate that every year. I'd like to duplicate that every year, but don't have that expectation. So, no, I, I think our philosophies are sound, and, and I don't see that changing. Okay, how about uh, with Coach Barone? Um, there are a lot of fans have asked me, like, uh, how he's developing the offensive line and, you know, guys putting up their expectations. And, I mean, I don't know, it's just a rumor. I know he might end up retiring uh, with all the years that he's coach of. Uh, so where do you think Coach Barone's at the offensive line right now? Yeah, I think he's a fantastic coach. I do. And I haven't heard anything about him retiring, so that would be a surprise to me. People ask this question, and you know, rumors get out there with social media and stuff like that. You've been doing this a long time. Your role is not changing here. You seem energetic about recalibrating the organization. The front office is staying the same as far as your position. Yeah, I saw a couple things. That was just made up, whatever. I, saw, I know what you're referencing. Somebody just made that up. That's never been discussed or talked about. Now, am I slower? Yeah, I probably ran a 4.5 when I was 30, and I don't think I could run five flat right now. So I am slower. But, yeah. You know, I've, I've been asked that question. You get asked that when you get to a certain age, right, whatever age that is. And I've said, look, I'm just going to wake up one morning and say this is the day. And it's not going to be tomorrow, but everything for the next 10 years is open. We'll see. Vicky, uh, when you were asked about D.A. earlier, you mentioned the stats of other coaches' careers, but 
what are some of the things he's done in the last two years or some of the qualities he has that's led you to believe that he can get the team back to the playoffs? Yeah, well, um, I, you know, I think the things that the head coach is responsible for, you know, game day management, um, scheduling, all the things that you guys don't see that I see or that we see internally, I feel good about. And, yeah, there, there's certainly areas that he can – quarterback change. We've had, you know, some things changed in the last two, two or three years. And so we got to look at ourselves and say, okay, what, what's our expectations? Are they realistic? And – if we're not meeting those expectations, what can we do differently? And I don't believe that uh, um, that that that's the head coach right now. I think I like I like Dennis Allen. I think he's a good coach. Offensive coordinator, do you share that with uh, with Derek Carr as far as his input and what he thinks, or is it like okay, you make the decision and then he has to accept it, or is he involved in that? Yeah, we we don't ask our players to make decisions. We don't. Um, that's not. That's not a burden. That's not a burden that we put on them. Now we do talk to. We talk to a lot of our veteran players about the season, about the things that we expect from them, and and they should certainly have expectations from us. But we're not asking them to do any evaluations of any kind. I mean, just to kind of rephrase that a little bit. Well, Derek Carr's. You know, whatever offense coordinator you go with, Derek's obviously got to be a big factor in that decision, right? Like he's got to be able to work with that. Like, well, look, look when when we make a hire, when Dennis makes a hire. Certainly, he's going to make the hire that'll be that'll work for him. But that's not that'll be our assessment. That won't be. We're not going to ask him if he approves of, of A, B, or C, right? Does that make sense? If I can go back just to Pete for a second. Obviously, it's professional. But when you spend eighteen years with somebody, there's a huge like human component and personal yeah. relationship there. I yes. mean, not that I want like the full peek behind the curtain, but like how. How emotional is that when you've been through so much with somebody? Yeah, it's really emotional. Um, Pete's such a – he's a great coach, not a good coach. He's a great coach, and he's hes done – you know, I think – listen, we had historically good offenses here for a long period of time, and Pete was a much bigger part of that than, than uh, he gets credit for. Um, really brilliant. You know, look, his first game as a play caller, we, I think we scored 60 points, so um, – yeah, it's emotional, uh, um, and he's such a good person and such a great representative of, of um, the organization for all these years. And it was emotional for me, that's for sure. And it was emotional for a lot of people. I think an overall assessment of the defense this Yeah, I think it was you know, a lot of good things, some ups and downs. Um, felt like we had some young players develop and improve, and you know, I'm excited. I'm excited about... Um, the prospects for our defense. I, I really am. Well, that, you seem kind of fired up compared to some of these other meetings. But yeah. you, have, you have a lot of challenges going forward, yeah. right? including a three-year drought from the playoffs. Yeah. How, how do you feel personally being the guy who's got to steward the organization through all of these challenges? Yeah, look, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm excited about the prospects of you know, the guys that are on the team and they're um, – I'm excited about the willingness of all of our people, players, coaches, staff, to look inward and say, look, I've got to do better. Yeah, including me. And so it gets me it gets me fired up. Look, I hate doing these press conferences. You guys know that. So typically I'm very stoic and unenthused, right? <laughs> but um, I think we need enthusiasm. I think we need, you know – 
a boost in energy and and excitement uh, in our building. And so that, again, that, you know, all that stuff starts with me. Thank you. You talked about enthusiasm. What are your thoughts on some of those games for the fan base, you know, were booing or, or sold their tickets to yeah. fan bases? And how do you get the fans back into it? And well, you have to win. Game. You have to perform well. It's, it's, it, that's on us, you know. And, and uh, look, there's a little bit of a double-edged sword. You know, we just watched the Detroit Lions and their season and how fantastic that environment is and, you know, winning for the first time in a long time. We experienced that here, right? We experienced it in, in, in 06, uh, 07, 08, 09. You raise the bar, right? We raise the bar. And that's a good thing. And so now that we've raised the bar, we got to meet it. And if we're not meeting it, that's on us. Um, the only thing I really don't like is when we sell tickets to the opposing team and get and allow, you know, a, a big group in our building. And look, that's popular here because New Orleans is a destination, right? When when um, our opponents look at their schedule and they see New Orleans, ah, that's the trip I'm going on, right? We we understand that. Um, it's just it's part of the deal, part about uh, of being in a great city like New Orleans. So, but in terms of booing the the crowd reaction, that's on us. That's not. Um, that's not on the fans. Look, if I was in the stands, there's a couple times I might have booed. I don't know. That was a sound from the press conference with Mickey Loomis. One of the things is, Bob, Saints were winning, and this is a bottom-line business. Uh, you Production win, business. And, and <laughs> they, won't have, they won't be selling those tickets down. Now, we sit in the press boxes high. We had an Eagles game a few years back that you and some of the Eagles well, fans were drawn back and forth. Yeah, yeah. But they weren't sitting in the prime section uh, where we saw with Detroit. Well, whenever you're going to play uh, Pittsburgh or Dallas, if they come into New Orleans, uh, they travel well. Uh, the Huda Nation travels well whenever uh, the Saints exactly. are Exactly. Uh, yeah, so uh, – and it is a destination like Las Vegas, New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're not all of a sudden penciling in, oh, I can't wait to get – to. Uh, uh, Cincinnati or, or something. But, Mike, how about as we go on in a break here, I'm going to read this text right here uh, that when Mickey was comparing. This is from 9280. Mickey Loomis is talking about not criticizing Dennis Allen his first few seasons. And then he brought up great coaches from the past. You know, he's comparing their first few years, at, at their first few seasons, and how bad they were. And then he says, is it a fair comparison? If Dennis Allen already has been a head coach with the Raiders for three straight years with a losing record and now two years with the Saints and a losing record. See, that's why if he didn't have that Raiders experience, because you look overall, his record is 24 wins and 46 losses. And as a Saints head coach, 16 and 18. So uh, now if the Saints would have been the first gig, uh, I think that'd been more uh, a relevant comparison and now he might say, well, uh, it wasn't really fair to D.A. because uh, the Raiders were dysfunctional. Well, look how dysfunctional when Chuck No took over for the Steelers. You know, you, you can look at a, a number of those examples that he was given and how, like, when Tom Landry uh, took over He took over, over an Dallas. expansion team yeah, in so, Dallas. So that's the only thing I didn't like in that regard uh, because, uh, you know, Dennis is going to have another chance. And uh, I think it, uh, that right now, again, it's a production business. I, I don't think another 9-8 and eight season. Uh, the only way 9-8 and eight will work out next year, if we'd be in the situation like Tampa Bay is in right now. And think about how well we finished the season. We spanked Tampa Bay. 
And then all of a sudden you had a home game against the Eagles. The way the Eagles were playing, I think we could have beat the Eagles in the Dome. I think and, Atlanta. And, people even in Atlanta says, well, hey, we think we could have beat the uh, Eagles well, the way they but, playing. But, but from the Saints' perspective, you'd have had a home game and the Saints would have had a great opportunity. Think about how, how you'd be feeling a whole lot different if the Saints were playing in Detroit uh, come uh, this weekend instead of Tampa Bay playing in Detroit. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big Age 70 right after this break. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear. Baba, I heard you already gave you a couple of picks, but they saw what are the odds segment, and it's presented by FanDuel Sportsbooks. America's number one sports book and the official sports book of WWL. We hadn't get to talk about this yesterday, but the Lions, six and a half point favorite over the Buccaneers. Um, 48 and a half is the uh, over and under on that. Bob, I, I like the Lions here. Um, I, again, I give the Bucks credit. I thought they played really well, and it could have been much worse against Philly. Uh, if you the receivers would have caught the ball, right? But especially the get go, yeah. I think the the Lions are on a roll now, and I think they take this to the NFC Championship. And don't they remind you a little bit of the 2006 New Orleans Saints? Yes, uh, I mean, Mike, uh, that uh, there might be a team of destiny and the crowd factor. Uh, if you look at how loud that was at Ford Field, that reminds me of uh, Mercedes Benz Caesar Superdome. Uh, slash, you know how, Mike. That's truly uh, a don't feel advantage, and they don't. And good for the Lions. Uh, I really think, let's say the Saints, would, in theory, would have been a situation. Uh, I, I think that would be now. Before you know it, they were up twenty-one nothing against us. But I think right now that'd be a monumental upset. Even if we think the Saints, let's say they made the playoffs, and are they truly? Well, we don't consider the Saints to me right now uh, along the lines. Uh, 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 lined up like the 49ers, I think, or even the Lions. You know, even, even where Tampa Bay is. Look, Mike, uh, you look in the NFC, then the Final Four. But uh, the Buccaneers can win, but I, I'd be surprised. And, Mike, I wanted to ask you that because that's a lot of points even last week. Well, what was uh, the, the Bills and the Steelers? Wasn't that 10? 10. 10. Yeah. And, Mike, you think, oh, man, I'm taking the points as the playoffs. Out of but, the last 25 games where it's been double digits, the underdog has won seven outright. Right, and, and so here's the Bills end up covering that, and then that's why when you look, that's still a lot of points. That's uh, a lot. Like at, at Baltimore, uh, they're nine-point favorite against the Texans. Look how uh, uh, C.J. Stroud now. Uh, the, I think if they're playing in Houston, it's a lot different than them having to go to Baltimore. That's why nine points. But the Packers are hot right now, but – we kind of view the 49ers uh, on a different level like the Ravens. So that's even nine and a half. So that's a lot of points to cover. But I, I just feel that the Ravens are, are – uh, I would not – okay, would you be shocked 
if uh, the Ravens win by a couple of touchdowns no. or, or the 49ers win by a couple no. of touchdowns. Exactly. That's why I think Vegas had to put it that high. Yeah, and also, too, they want to balance the scale here. Right, right. You know, they don't want to lose too much money. That's why they got those bright lights and those nice casinos. Um, Buffalo, Kansas City. Now, that's interesting. Uh, because of the fact that this has been dominated at playoff time by the Chiefs, but during the regular season, the Bills have had the advantage. The Bills, two and a half point favorite over the Chiefs. Okay, I have and a question the for you. 45 and a half is the over and under. I have on a game. question for you. Who has more pressure on them, Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen to win? Let me tell you what, right now. Uh, Josh Allen, Mike, uh, how the Chiefs have been a, a thorn in the side, but that's been in Kansas City. And then we all know when the Bengals won in Buffalo. Josh Allen, to truly, he has to win something. He can't always be considered one of the best, most explosive guys, and he don't win anything. So you look at Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen has been an MVP. Lamar Jackson has been an MVP. But what he's done in the postseason. And he postseason, might be it again. Well, what he's done in the <laughs> postseason. So that's why, uh, Mike, uh, no one thinks realistically the Texans are going to beat the Ravens. In no, I don't. Think but so. if that would happen, so who do you think has more pressure? I think Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, uh, just in, in an individual standpoint, they almost have to lead their team to victory. The other thing too is the Bills are fighting a lot of injuries on the defensive side. The football with their linebackers. Uh, and, yeah. we, we were watching it. it was one go down, then a second, and a third guy, and you are like, wow, uh, how many more shots could they? They take on the defensive side of the football. Now, it's a different Kansas City team than we've seen in the past. They're not as good on offense. I don't know how – no matter how you cut it. And Rice has really played well. Rasheed Rice has started to really play well at wide receiver. He was catching that brick in the cold weather, Mike. He wasn't dropping nothing. My thing is, Kelsey got to catch the ball. Yeah, Kelsey had a couple of three drops. You can't have three drops in in any type of meaningful game. But the Chiefs' defense has been legit. You got to give Spags credit. Uh, what, what he's done and uh, what the defense and and then work out with the Saints uh, when he was the defensive coordinator here. What uh, when Sean came back after Bounty Gate, they fired him after one year. But I tell you what, what he did with the Giants and now with the Chiefs, uh, you got to give Spags a lot of credit. Also to my old pal Brandon Daly, he's uh, at Louisiana Line Camp. I think he's been there 13 years. He's the run defensive coordinator. He's the guy that sets up the defense to stop the run, and he coaches the linebackers for the Chiefs. Well, he's and him and Spags, him and Spags have, have worked together well in this game until they've proven otherwise. You know what? I know they're not as explosive as in years past, but I still like the Chiefs. Yeah, I yeah, still uh, like uh, the uh, Chiefs. Uh, so you're gonna take the two and a half? But you, you think they're gonna win straight up, Mike? Or, or well, I got or, two and a half, so it, you know. No, no, it, but, no. But what I'm saying, you like the Chiefs? <laughs> yeah, I like. The, I think the Chiefs. I think this is gonna be a really like a close game. Or a this may end up being a field goal game. Okay, uh, that makes sense. The, the true underdog game right now would be, um, you know, I'd say Cleveland because of the city. Well, but can you imagine? Uh, now they still have to put NFC AFC championship, but the Lions against the Texans. In Las Vegas in the Super Bowl. Boy, that, that, uh, Jerry Jones don't want that. And, and the NFL wouldn't be too crazy about it right, either. Right, right, they, right. they want the big city teams and the big time quarterbacks to play in, in those games. That's, that's just the way they are. That is our What Are the Odds segment, and it's presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook 
and the official sports book of WWL. We'll be back to finish it off here on our number one of Sports Talk right after this break. We're finishing up here on our number one of Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike, to tell you along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby A. Bear. Bob, yeah, that's something for us. Uh, yeah, Mike, uh, you know, always what have you done for me lately? And, uh, you know, P. Carmichael lasted 18 years. Well, the next offensive coordinator, if, if he can do this, catch Genie uh, in the bottle, he called, you know, the chunk of the majority of plays 2011 and 16 seasons. Not, not a majority, a chunk of the plays. And he held all of that role in 2012, and when Peyton was suspended. Do you know that season when he was suspended, they averaged 411 yards per game, second best in the NFL. I think Derek Carr and the offense uh, would take that. that, that uh, it's a wonder what Drew Brees can do, huh? Uh, uh, Mike, 411 <laughs> yards a game, and Pete called the plays the whole season. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this news break. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.